of gentleness. That whole refreshing, soaking time of seeing us in this aqua pool in the Garden of Eden. All the pools in Eden for refreshing and the Father's faithfulness, kindness and gentleness. They're sourced by the river because everything in heaven has the four rivers going through it. But you don't see the river. You see what the river has painted. You see what the river has created and you live underwater in the kingdom of heaven through the gate of Eden, through the springs by drinking the waters of life. And so it's a gigantic place. It's bigger than this universe. It's the two-thirds that obey. It's the two-thirds still in the living waters. It's the two-thirds that never touched wormwood in the one-third of the bitter waters that fell. The bitter angels. You got sweet angels, two-thirds. And you got bitter angels, one-third. So we stay in the sweetness all the time. It's just, you got to, you know what I mean? Just, you have to stay sweet. There's a lot of temptations, but they're all lies, you know? Oh, well, I should drink some bitter water because that's a good argument. I don't think so, devil. That's a really good point. I think I'll join you in death now. No. I'm going to stay in the waters of life. I'm going to get sealed. I want my fruit to be like the tree of life that everyone can eat off of me and experience God just by hanging around and breathing my soul, breathing my air. You know, they can even feel your blood. Blood is pure energy. Blood's actually congealed light. You drink in the blood of Jesus when you drink the cup of the new covenant, the cup of salvation. Jesus Christ said several times, you can only be saved if you drink my blood. We need a lot more blood drinking of the Lamb, but you know what? His blood's transfigured. His blood's called the river. His blood is what created heaven and earth. His blood, he's the Lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world, so it was by his blood the worlds were created. It's true. When you drink his blood, you participate with the creator of the world. And you get your own little paintbrush and you get to dry your own little fluffy clouds. We had some brothers and sisters taking Bob Ross's paintbrush last night by faith and painting on each other's hearts. And we were all seeing visions of different stuff as we were in prayer. And, and I just was like, I can't wait to paint on people's hearts. So during worship today, I painted a smiley face on everyone's hearts. <laughs> and kind of stamped it. I'll just be honest with you, it was like drugs. It was the drug smiley face. I put drugs in your heart. I painted drugs in your blood and in your bone marrow. And I'm, I'm not ashamed of it because everything in the living water is so intoxicating and so gets you so high, gets you so jacked up that you'll never desire an earthly pleasure of death ever again. That's the only way you get delivered from lust of the flesh, is getting into the love of the flesh in Eden. Flesh is just stardust. 
Your flesh and your blood is just this universe. Listen, what happens when you have a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells? You're going to have a new flesh and a new blood that's not bad. Like it says in Psalms, King David said, My flesh cries out for the living God. When can I go and be with Him? <laughs> the problem is, is we've had our flesh influenced by the one-third that fell that are bitter and prideful, but now we're going to have our flesh and our bones and our blood sweetened by the two-third that are always in obedience to God's Word. You're going to fall in love with obedience. You'll get addicted to obedience. Jesus Christ said that I'm full by obedience to the Father's will. They were going to the market to get bread, get some pastries, some crispy cream donuts. And he was like, I'm not even hungry, even though that's my favorite donut, because I've been doing the will of my Father. You literally get physically full by obedience. Obedience in the religion, which is in the one-third, is painful, and that's why they have a lot of secret sin, because there's no satisfaction in religious obedience. And obedience to religion has no pleasure in it. It's the denying of pleasure, and there's no drinking of living waters. It's a dry place. Religion has you do the New Testament apart from the waters of life. And the waters of life are the Father in you doing the works. So that anyone that doesn't do Christianity by the living waters, by the springs of the waters of life, and by the fountain of the Lamb, gets really bitter really quickly because they're working by striving and strange fire, and they're working by self-energy and self-promotion. And so you have a lot of people that need refreshing right now that have tried really hard to be good people in their own strength, in their own souls, and they're always like, on teeth, you know, they're always gritting their teeth, they're always on edge, and it's always so serious for these people, you need to chill out. That's one of the main prophetic words to this generation, you just need to relax and chill. You need to chill out. You're thinking way too much and drink, drinking way too little, and they'll even turn that into a stress. If you tell them to have a drink, they're like, oh, I'm, not, I'm condemning myself, I don't drink enough. And it because, you know what it is? It's all pride. It's all self-focus of me, 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 instead of he, 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 he. When you get into he, 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 Christ in you, the hope of realizing glory, you can't be stressed about anything anymore. Amen? <laughs> you know, when you're overcome with bliss, when you're overcome with rest, and you're overcome with the living waters, you're no longer self-focused or performance-based. Because you realize the new covenant is not something you add to, but something you drink and overflow. See, it's the throne of God and the Lamb in the river. Revelation 22 is not the end of the matter, but also the beginning. You began on the throne, you began in the Lamb, you began in the Father, and you began in the river. It's true. That's your starting point of salvation. Now, your mind might have wandered into religion, into Egypt, into dry places where there's no living waters and it was all just works and death and performance and everyone envy and strife towards each other, no unity, just craziness. And most people did get sucked up into a Babylonian Christianity after they're born again because there wasn't much here. 
There wasn't much demonstra demonstration of Ezekiel 47 water temple living underwater. There's maybe, you're lucky. Honestly, I've been around real deep Holy Ghost Christianity for 20 years. It's rare to find Christianity that's even ankle deep in the river. It's rare to find ministries. And I looked because I was the thirstiest person down here. I was looking everywhere. I remember when I started full-time ministry, God had me eating and drinking eight hours a day of sermons and and just feasting, feasting, feasting. That's what I do. All day I would feast, and then all night I would minister from the overflow for the first like 22 months of Red, Red Letter Ministries in 2006 to 2008. And so it was all based on finding the strongest meat, the strongest wine, the most glory of anywhere in the world, and just taking impartation from the apostles and prophets. That's all the Father had me doing for like a very, very long time. Because you can only give to others what you've put in your spirit. Not in your flesh, but in your spirit. Your cup has to overflow with the substance that you feasted upon. So you want to feast on the strongest glory. You want to feast on pure, crystal clear living waters. And honestly, it was extremely rare to find them. There was only a few ministries in the world that I could even receive from and stay pure and stay innocent and stay childlike and not get corrupted and decaying and pride and different things. And even in the, those ministries, there was mixture. There was mixture of Cain, no doubt about it. There was mixture. There were some things at times where I'd be receiving from some of these ministries and it would just be so religious that it would just grieve my heart. If I were to eat that, I know I would die. There were times where they were spot on and times where they just completely missed the mark that their ministry was just super. So having that understanding of the situation in this world, you can be very, very patient with people because everyone's coming out of the curse of the fall, including the full-time ministers. And the full-time ministers are the easiest ones to judge because they're on the stage. They have people... And, you know, but people look at Benny Hinn and they judge Benny Hinn. They look at Rodney Howard Brown. They judge Paula White. They judge uh, one of the main ones is Joel Osteen. <laughs> they judge everyone. The human nature is judgmental. To be actually loving towards something you don't understand is one of the rarest fruits I've ever seen. You know what I mean? Where people are exposed to something different and new, and they're like, whoa, that's really awesome. No. It's usually like... That's horrible. That's the devil. Cult, cult, cult. Different things like that. That's going to change as people get washed in these waters of gentleness. We can change the tide of people's reactions to things they don't understand. It's really barbaric to be judgmental. It's really satanic. Satan is an unrighteous judge, but the Father is a righteous judge. And the Father's righteous judgment is the cleansing of the living waters. The judgment of the religious spirit is a judgment of condemnation while a person is still growing. So it doesn't even give them a chance to growth. And I'm not saying there isn't a time to hand people over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. Paul does it several times in the Bible. He says in, in 1 Corinthians 16, If anyone doesn't love the Lord Jesus, anathema, let him come under God's curse. Galatians chapter 1, If anyone presents to you a gospel other than the one I gave you, let him be anathema, accursed. So there, there is a lot of mature stuff that the, the government of God does in dealing with principality-influenced people. So don't let that be a stumbling block to you either. 
<laughs> because people get caught up on the severity of God and then it's like, oh, I can't handle that. God, God's not mean. God's mean to Satan. That's something you're going to wake up and realize real quickly. He's kind to you who inherit salvation, but the Father is mean to the devil. And that'll make you fall more in love with God because you'll see him as your protector, your shield and buckler. You'll see him as the one who defends you. He's the defender of your soul. He's the fire around you and the glory within you. The Father is a mighty warrior, but he's super gentle with, the sh with his sheep, with his sons and daughters. There are times where he's more intense, like a warrior to a warrior. I mean, he can be intense with Michael, the archangel of the warring angels, and speak in a languages that sound like thunder and lightning. And, and ancient angelic languages of the warring angels that will, you know, would split your bones in half. So there is an intensity there, but with his tender sheep, it's a gentleness so gentle that it, it makes Bob Ross look like Rambo in contrast. <laughs> it's a gentleness so severe that it makes Mr. Rogers look like Friday the 13th, Jason Voorhees, serial killer in contrast. You know, that's extreme, but it's true. The Father's gentleness is so overwhelming, it literally feels like drugs. See, there are the fruits of the Spirit, and then they're like, is this still the fruits of the Spirit? Can you have this much joy for you're just so completely wasted all the time? Yes, you can. Against the fruits of the Spirit, there is no law. We haven't tested the fruits to see how much fruit production we can have yet. It's the funnest thing. Because there are levels of fruit production that we are entering into that will produce paradise through people's blood, through their bones, and through their brains, and through their spirits. We are gardens. You can look at your temple. We're a temple of the Garden of Eden. Every human being can plant the heavens into the earth. Every single human being, by faith. That's what the Bible's for. That's what the Holy Spirit was poured out in all flesh for. So that you could plant Eden into the dry places and remove the desert places, remove the snakes and scorpions, and remove the curse from all creation. Planting the heavens is your full-time job after you're born again. How, you can do it the first day you're born again. This isn't even mature stuff. You can do it by just speaking kindness to people. In fact, brand new born-again infants in Christ can plant some of the purest heavens of all people in the world because they haven't yet got defiled by religion and doubt and unbelief. They haven't been trained in doubt. They haven't been trained in unbelief. They're pure and spotless lambs. Of course, there's going to be a wolf who will come around. I've never seen a born-again Christian not be attacked by a wolf after they're born again. Even if they made it six months, twelve months, and I've seen thousands and tens of thousands. They're, you're always going to get attacked. The issue is, are you going to get wounded? Are you going to get bitter? When you get attacked by that demon that comes in the guise of a good, mature Christian, or a Christian leader, or someone that really knows their stuff, I got my doctorate in divinity, and it's just a warlock Pharisee, a son of Satan, with a big old python controls, control spirit wrapped around him, and he's just trying to suck the blood out of you and make you twice the son of Satan that he is. Are you going to get bitter? Are you going to get better when you come into the encounter with the religious warlock? I tell you the truth, 
There's a time coming where you can stay underwater and they can't even touch you. Even if you're a brand new Christian. Brand new Christians will have a wisdom imparted into them day one where they'll be able to discern that's the enemy. That's a religious demon. That's a religious spirit that's trying to steal my peace, steal my fruits, steal my kindness. They're trying to corrupt my blood, my brain, and my spirit. So that's what Satan does. He wants you, after you're born again, to become bewitched. That's how the whole kingdom of Babylon the Great was built. It was built by Christians that having begun in the spirit, finished in the flesh. It's the forfeit of your birthright to the fallen angels that built this current world system. The, one of the rarest things I've ever seen in 20 years of Christianity is a Christian that's held on to their birthright of their heavens and their earth of who they are in Christ and hasn't forfeited it to the devils by being religious. Self-righteousness or pride, serving in the flesh and not serving in the living waters, not being in the river, is a forfeit of everything that God imparted into your spirit, the gifts of the spirit. Your destiny is created inside your spirit when you ask Jesus into your heart. We all said, Jesus, come into my heart. We all said, and that's written in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone lets me in, I'll come in and fellowship with him. So he stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. We let him in and he recreated our spirit. We were translated out of darkness into his glorious light. It is written. So we're a new creature in Christ, altogether new. And we began in the Spirit. Now we're a spiritual creation that lives out of heaven while our bodies are still on earth. Now we need to feast on heaven in order for our new creation in Christ to grow. Like it says in Psalms, and men ate the bread of angels. If angels are still eating bread and there's angel bread, how much more brand new Christians need to feast? I mean, we need so much food. We need pure milk for the babies, like newborn babes craving pure spiritual milk, and we need solid meat for the mature. We need to have a feast prepared for every Christian on the planet. And it needs to be in the living water. You need to learn how to feast underwater. You can't read the Word and eat the meat of the Word and, and digest the Word unless you're in the living waters because it will still be a dead, dry letter. That's one of the greatest strongholds of the whole world is interpreting the Scripture outside the living waters. You sink into the living waters, you get underwater, you drink the springs of the waters of life, you let the great shepherd lead you, and you come to the river and you go into Ezekiel 47 and get your head underwater, and then you start reading the Word. That Word will get into your bone marrow. That Word will change your DNA. The Word of God is the reprogramming of the original design of how God created Adam and Eve in the beginning and how you are to be recreated, repristined, even in your brain and in your bones and in your marrow and in your DNA had you never tasted the curse of the fall and had there never been any sin in your bloodlines back through the first man. That's the power of the Word mixed with the living waters. The issue is it's been very rare to mix it fully with the living waters. Even having a drink. I mean, how many Christians you know know how to drink the living waters? Gideon's 300. They were chosen because they knew how to drink the waters of life. And all they did after they got drunk on the living waters and learned how to drink the living waters is they let their light shine before men and it turned all the enemies into confusion and their enemies destroyed each other. 
That's actually the fulfillment of the new covenant promises. All you need to do is learn how to drink the living waters, and they're just gushing out of me. If you just are humble enough to receive it like a child, like little kids playing make-believe, like tea time, the invisible little teacups, and start drinking living waters, next thing you know, you have barrels. Next thing you know, you'd be soaking in the pools of the Garden of Eden. And the thing is, your mind gets so renewed that you'll be able to see in those realms. It's not make-believe. It's just walking by faith, not by sight, until your mind's renewed to have spiritual vision, eagle vision. I counsel for you to buy from me ISAF so you can see, Jesus Christ says in Revelation. He wants everyone to be a seer. Every Christian should have eyes, spiritual eyes. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is eyes. The Holy Spirit is eyes. That's written in Revelation 5-6, meaning that we can have vision in the Spirit all the time. The issue is sanctification. The issue is not having the world influencing our mind, not having the world influencing our spirit, our soul, or our bones. we got to get the world out. And how do we get the world out? By drinking the living waters. By letting the waters of life purify us from all unrighteousness. That's why it's called crystal clean and sparkling. Crystal clear and sparkling. Revelation 22.1. It has to be crystal. When you're crystal clear and sparkling, guess what? You'll see visions continuously. You'll see everything spiritually constantly. We're really scared of seeing in the Spirit. That's the problem what I've encountered in all these years of ministry is that people don't want to see. It's easier just to stick your head in the sand. No, it's not actually. You get beat up too much. It's easier to have a drink and wake up and realize the glory. It's easier just to know how much you're loved, and it's easier to live in the realms of Eden. It's easy and light. It's hard living in darkness. It's hard kicking against the pricks. It's hard being blind. It's fun and exciting having spiritual vision. And all spiritual vision is in the eyes of the waters of life, the Holy Spirit. Everything is created by the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean that the enemy doesn't work within the dry place. One third fell. So you deal with all the stuff that's dry and all the stuff that's Holy Spirit liquid. And eventually the Holy Spirit liquid will wash away everything that's dry. That's the fulfillment of the days of Noah. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. Everything will live under living water. And that's what we're called to do right now is bring forth the Ezekiel 47 water temple. And of course, you're going to have naysayers because most people that came into Christianity got religious spirits attached to their brains. So they're going to say all kinds of blasphemous stuff out of their mouth towards the Lamb. And you just deal with it. You don't let it offend you. You understand the situation here. And you keep drinking. You keep washing. You keep covering. Love covers a a multitude of unbelievers or sinners. The sin of, of unbelief is the the main sin you deal with because they're taught religion and religion is unbelief in the living waters. And so we we stay in the substance of faith, which is the waters of life that must be drunk and can't be thunk. And so that substance is our continual experience that keeps us childlike, innocent, and free while we're building the temple of perfected liberty for every eye to see by drinking the living waters freely. Amen? And so the walls are coming up from the water temple today. And people, of course, when you start putting walls up, they'll say, oh, you're an elitist, you're a cult. Um, You know, you said there are no walls. Listen, there's the walls of New Jerusalem. 
They're the walls of the temple of Ezekiel 47. They're made out of living water. You could drink yourself in just like eating chocolate into the Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. I mean, how dare we threaten the nations with a good time? And these waters are so intoxicating and thrilling. I mean, it's, it's more enjoyable than orgasms. To put it plainly with you, drinking the living water is more enjoyable than orgasms in the best sex you've ever had in your life. It's true. That's why Adam and Eve were not tempted by anything in the natural realm. They were in a higher level of pleasure of angelic ecstasy. They had to go into the pleasures of the flesh after they left the glory. Not that we're condemning any of the pleasures of the flesh within a marriage context of, you know, sex and all that. That's crazy. You just have fun, as much fun as you want. People are getting their marriages totally glorified sexually. Now, one of the coolest testimonies we got recently in our text message show is this married couple who's had five boys. And, you know, and they said, it's like we're falling in love over again. We're saying hallelujah and thanking Jesus while we do it. That's what they told us. And they were so anointed, and they said, what in the world? And they sent me the emoji with their heads exploding. That's what it's all about. This glory will absolutely enhance every relationship you have, and it would just blow your mind with pleasure. God's not against pleasure. God's against selfishness. But what's better pleasure than the selfishness of lust? Lust is selfishness is the selflessness of divine love that is angelic ecstasy. And it's so rare that it's misunderstood. That is the revelation that transforms the nations. That the pleasures of selfless love of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ in these living waters are far superior than the selfish pleasures of lust. When people start to taste these pleasures of divine love, and see that it just costs you the negativity out of your life, the judgmentalism, the criticalism, all the negative stuff, and just being nasty and bitter and sour and prideful. It just costs you death. It just costs you your demons and your all of your opinions and everything that makes you wicked. It just costs you that, and it costs you your sins. And then He removes your sins, and you live in His nature, and you live in His perfect love. You live in His perfect fruit. You know how people are just going to throw down their sin when they start tasting these waters that produce these fruits? That's what we're called to do. Called to be kinder garden garden teachers. Kindergarten. But kinder garden teachers. Really like Mr. Rogers and, and Bob Ross. Amen. And that's what will transform people when we're kinder in the garden and teaching them how to drink the living waters. Oh, people's hearts will just melt. This is what everyone is looking for, you guys. And only the Christians have it. But we Christians, me too, have been prideful, have been rash, have been aggressive and grumpy. And there's a time to be aggressive towards demons and devils, but there's also time for extreme gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, and those fruits of the Spirit at the end of the nine fruits. I see them as the nets that are cast upon souls, the kindness, the faithfulness, and the gentleness that pulls them into the joy and the peace and the love. There's nine fruits of the Spirit, but we always talk about love, joy, and peace. What I see as evangelism now, as we cast our water nets on the starboard of the right side of the boat in our 154 nations here, is that the faithfulness and the kindness and the gentleness of the Lord Jesus is what will net them in. 
it's hard to resist a person that's kind and gentle. You know, I wore a Mr. Rogers t-shirt around Minneapolis like two months ago. I had like 26 people stop me and so, and check out my shirt, read it, and be like, wow, that's a cool shirt. I mean, it was like a revival breaking up. You cannot shut down gentleness and kindness. But you can shut it down if you are extreme all the time and intense all the time. And the thing is, is I've been used so much in spiritual warfare, battling principalities and going against Saturn and all the worst stuff in, in the fallen angels kingdom all the time, that it's like those are the hardest areas for me to go into. But we're, we have to go into those areas now in order for harvest. This is just like Mr. Rogers. You know, he was like an army ranger or something. He had a testimony, and he, he had an arc transformation. They call it arc transformation, where he chose to be kind again. It's just like Bob Ross. Bob Ross did 20 years in the Air Force and was a, a serious soldier in the Air Force. And then he had a change of heart. He had an arc transformation. That's the terminology they use in psychology. An arc, A-R-C. But it's like the arc, Noah's ark. The gentleness of the Lord in the waters of life just touched him and he transformed his character. And that's what produces the Father's gentleness and kindness even after you've been a mighty warlord in the military, you know, like many of these men have in the past, like Mr. Rogers and Bob Ross. And it's that's how God the Father... he. He uses it, it's inside, the power's there, but it's controlled with gentleness and kindness. And it's only unleashed against fallen angels that would war against the the men and women we're called to protect and serve. Amen? So it's a a greater level of self-control than we've ever walked in. We're going to start to walk in levels of self-control, of unlimited power, unlimited authority. The sons of God have been given unlimited, limited ultimate power and ultimate authority over the universe, over everything that's here, over all flesh and blood, over all bones, over all spirits, over all souls. There's no doubt about it. But the Father the Father will not unleash us in fullness until we have a super abundance of kindness and gentleness to bring them in. Because we're still a little rough around the edges from so much spiritual war to get here today. You know what I mean? So it's a beautiful time of refinement. It's a time of just soaking in the pools of Eden, getting all of your wounds healed. That's what God the Father is doing today. We're soaking in these aqua pools of Eden, and it's just the angels coming and stirring the waters, moving within the waters in our hearts, moving within the waters of our souls, and moving within the waters in our blood and bones, and healing us from all this world and everything that's fallen in this world, getting healed out of our hearts, minds, and bodies, so that we could be gentle and kind to everyone, even though we've endured all spiritual warfare, and all of Satan's beast, false prophet, and red dragon, and everything that's nasty in the world, to get up here. Now it's time to get healed from all the warfare that got us here, and then to heal the nations with the gentleness and kindness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Partner with Red Letter Ministries. Donate at redlettermen.com. Also, I want to share with this with you guys. We got this text thing that's so fun. We're going to do a text message show later tonight. So if you have a prayer request, or if you got a, a praise report, or if you just want a shout-out, text us, 843-284-6874. It's 843 
284-6874 and I'll put the number in the, the link down below under the video under the recording and just save it in your phones as Red Letter Ministries text messaging and we'll see you guys tomorrow. Amen.